invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts, chapter 4. Scriptures say, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom he crucified, whom God hath raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they that saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Today we're going to be talking about growing as we witness. Growing as we witness. Again, we are concluding a series today that we started some, uh, actually two months ago now, on uh, the first steps for believers. I like to begin by saying this, the purpose of Victory Baptist Church is to glorify God by proclaiming the gospel, growing in grace, and making disciples. So what we have discussed over the past seven weeks uh, concerning this, uh, this theme of first steps for believers has to do with all that. So the thing is this, how do we begin our new life in Jesus Christ? We mention this verse every week. The Bible says, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So if you're here today as a child of God, whether you've been saved for a short time or a long time, know this, that we need to start our journey with the Lord with these important steps. To know him, to read his word, to pray, to listen, to connect, to worship, and then today to share. These principles are vital to promote a believer's growth. Again, each and every one of these things that we've talked about, like reading your Bible, praying, going to church, those things themselves don't make you grow, but those elements in your life promote spiritual growth. It's very important for, for us to understand that. And so the believer grows as he gives glory to God. That's the important thing. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so let us keep that in mind. That's the big picture of what we're talking about here today. I've given this example here in the last weeks as well, that the Christian life is like riding a bicycle. Unless you keep moving, you're going to fall off. Okay? We have not arrived yet. So I desire us to keep moving. Don't become complacent, stagnant in your walk with the Lord. Keep moving. Keep growing. Keep looking for those opportunities to know him. You see here at Victory Baptist Church, my prayer is this, that this church will be filled with the Spirit and as we walk with the Lord in obedience. So here's just a quick recap over the last few weeks. We are, first of all, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, grow in knowing God. There's a lot of people who know about God. They might know a lot about the Bible, can quote verses to you, but they really don't know the God of the Bible themselves. Very important to know that. So knowing God. Next, we are to grow in God's word. The Bible says, as, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. We also talk about growing in prayer, of having a pattern of prayer. Have a place of prayer in your life. Make that a daily pattern of prayer in your life. We also grow by listening to God. How important it is for us to stop here and there and to listen. I don't know about you, but I'm hoping the hunters that are watching us diligently online right now, all right, that they are there maybe taking time to listen. What, By the way, if you've done any hunting or fishing for that matter, what do you need to do in order to be a good hunter? 
you need to be a good listener, right? I think for us as well, if we want to, in a sense, hunt for knowing God as well, we need to be a good listener. Take time, maybe your devotions as well. Take time to read, to pray. Maybe take time, just a few moments to stop and listen. Hear the Lord, what he wants you to do. Okay? So this is important. We were created by God for fellowship. And the more we listen to him, the more we love him. And the more we love him, the more we obey him. So this is critical. We also have learned the importance of growing as we gather. Growing as we gather. This is talking about the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting or encouraging one another as so much the more as you see the day approaching. We know the Lord's return is very soon. I, I With everything that's going on in the world, I was talking with uh, Steve, who just stepped out. Anyways, I pick it on him. <laughs> I'll get him later, okay? But we were talking about how the world seems just so out of sorts, unraveling, even our own society. Uh, people are just grasping at straws. What's going to happen next? And so there's a lot of uncertainty. But with this in mind, how important it is for us in these days, in these last days, I believe, that we're in, to come together, to gather together as a church body, as a fellowship, as a family. Folks, we need each other. You need the neighbor that's sitting next to you or across the aisle from you. We need one another. We need that. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. My question, and I've asked it before, do you look forward to church? Do you look forward not to coming to this building unless you just love this building? I love it because I love the people in it. I love the people in it. So do you look forward to church? The next part is growing in our worship. We worship God, and worship is our response to the work of God in our lives. And that's individually and corporately. Yes, you can worship God on your own as you're driving. Maybe You know, one thing I try to do when I come into to church um, uh, pretty much every day when I come to church here or on Sundays especially as I come and I just try to take time in my car I turn off the radio even and I just take time to stop and worship God say God thank you blessed be your name thank you for what you're doing looking at creation maybe a sunrise something like that just kind of taking that moment for a moment for that that part there but take time also to pray and I do that I pray usually I can get through almost the entire church family in prayer from my house in Rogers to here, okay? And so you can time it, all right? So that's not too much to ask for, okay? So we can worship individually, but how precious it is for us to worship corporately as well together. Um, a dear friend of mine, uh, in fact, I want to bring him up here at some point, Sam Wilson. Uh, anyways, he actually was asked, he's with our mission board at IBJM, and he was asked to preach tomorrow's chapel at Pensacola Christian College. And uh, he, he emailed me last night. He says, pray for me. I'm preaching to 4,000 students. Have you ever heard 4,000 students sing together? Uh, when I was at Northland, I think there was around 800 or so students. I, I loved it, hearing everyone singing together. Uh, maybe you've seen that. I, I praise God for whether we have five or 500 in this building. When we sing to God, man, what a you can't compare that to anything else, okay? So this is, a, this is an important time to, to worship as we gather together as well. Yeah, I like what Worsby said, we are not worthy to worship God, but he is worthy of our worship. And we praise God for that. Going on, how do we then worship? We talked practically last week on that. We are ordinary people serving an extraordinary God. Understand that God works through ordinary means. We are ordinary people in ordinary churches doing ordinary things as his instruments to impact the world. That's just coming together, reading the scriptures, serving one another, 
celebrating the, the ordinances, baptism, the Lord's Supper, for example. These are things that ordinary that we do that gives glory to God, and those things impact the world. So why do we come to church? Why are you here today? You came for really one big reason. We came for one reason today, folks, and that's to worship God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Therefore, let us grow as we worship. Now today, we're looking at another aspect, and really the last aspect of spiritual growth that is essential as well, and that every believer should grow as we witness, to grow as we witness. So this is kind of practically, how do you how do you then share what God has done in your life with others? And we're going to kind of delve through that today, and we're going to look what happened here in the early church in just a moment. But the first question is this, grow as we witness. Well, what does it mean to witness? What is a witness? Well, when you think of witness, think of a courtroom, for example. You put a witness on the witness stand. What does a witness do? Have you ever been there? Ever watched Perry Mason or Matlock or Judge Judy? Well, maybe not Judge Judy. <laughs> There's better examples, okay? But what is a witness, the role of a witness to do? To what? To tell what they have see, heard, seen, or experienced, okay? In other words, they talk in an event, something that happened. Where were you on the night of February 30th, which doesn't exist, okay? Anyways, you talk about those things, all right? So the thing is this, you have experienced something. As a child of God, you have seen and heard and experienced what Jesus Christ has done in your life. So how is being a witness like in a courtroom like sharing your faith in Christ? As you think about this, <clears throat> we share our faith with others just as we do in a witness. If someone, There's a saying this, if there, someone tried you for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence? Have you ever heard that? Someone tried you, put you on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence? Well, that's a good question. But the, the witness that we should have is what Jesus Christ has done in our own lives. Okay? We are admonished in Psalm 107, verse 2. You probably, I'll read it to you. You probably, have, you probably know it by heart without realizing it. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We are to give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. Giving thanks. Why? Who says that? The redeemed. The redeemed are the ones who give thanks to God, who praise him for what he has done. My question is this. Why is, so, is it so hard for us to do that sometimes? Why is it hard for us to talk about what the Lord has done in our lives with others? Why is it hard to be a witness? So my question, have you ever followed this command? Have you told anyone about Jesus? Have you told anyone about what Jesus has done in your life this week, this month, this year? Here we are in November. We're almost at. Have you told one person about the Lord Jesus Christ, what he's done in your life? Ooh, ouch. That's a good question. The thing is this. Are we commanded to do that? Yes. Who commanded us to do that? Our Lord and Savior who died for us in our place. Very, very important. So what has kept us from being a witness? Perhaps it's fear. I'm afraid what they're going to say. Uh, maybe it's pride. Well, I, I'm not, that's, that's, that's not my character. You know, we boast about that. Maybe it's time. I just don't have enough time to do it. Or time is fleet. I got to go. These are all excuses that we can make. But ultimately, we have, we have to be challenged today. Is this, are we taking time out in our lives to simply share with others what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. I think it's important for us to understand when we think about witnessing, sometimes we, we do get fearful of what people are going to say, they're going to shut us down, whatever. 
Uh, let me be honest with you. Some of my people got might get, might get mad at you. I doubt if anyone's actually going to kill you over it, at least here in Minnesota. They might want to in their mind, but they, you're you're probably safe physically from someone actually shooting you if you're if you're a believer. Okay, so remember that. In other words, be just open and transparent, though. This is maybe another way we can say, and this has helped me a lot in my own life, is this, is to simply have gospel conversations with people. Have gospel conversations. When you talk to someone, maybe a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, a family member, for example, the idea is to simply have gospel conversations, things that promote the name of Jesus Christ with others. Very important. I like it. I think this has been attributed to Charles Spurgeon, who has said this, what is witnessing like? It's really one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I like that. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Folks, we are all sinners. If you're here today as a child of God, you're a sinner saved by grace. You have found the bread of life in Jesus Christ. Is it important for us now to share that bread with others? Those who are spiritually starving, that are spiritually lost, spiritually without hope. Yes, this is our responsibility and our duty. Let's talk about the importance of our witness. How important is it to witness in our lives? How do we grow by that? And I, I don't want you to think about the person you're witnessing to. I want, to th- I want you to focus on yourself as you witness. We're talking today about growing as we witness. So how important is it for us to witness? Witnessing does a couple things. It will stimulate your spiritual growth. If you ever, you know, witness to someone, tell them about the Lord, and then all of a sudden, you just have a kind of desire to tell other people, especially when you're able to have a conversation. It kind of builds confidence in that. But in that, it also builds spiritual growth. Why? Because you are rehearsing what God has done with, uh, with others, in your own life with others. Okay? So that builds that confidence and stimulates spiritual growth. It also leads you to pray and to study God's Word more, to know the Bible. Because a lot of times when you're telling someone about the Lord or having gospel conversation with someone, sometimes you get... Uh, asked a question that you don't have an answer to. Well, who were those people in Genesis chapter 6? You know, the Nephilim and all that. Sons of God, daughters of men, who were all that? I don't know, but I'm going to ask Dave Renzel, okay? (laughs) But nonetheless, you pray, you study God's word. And my point is this, is really get to know the gospel. Get to know what Jesus Christ has done in your life. If you don't know a question that someone may ask about you, just say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. And you know what that does? That opens up conversation. It opens up further relationship. It also does something else. The importance of witnessing also does, it encourages you to depend on Christ. It encourages you to depend on Christ. Learn to trust him more. Because a lot of times you go to talk to someone about the Lord and you're like, man, I'm going to mess this all up. I'm going to fumble. I'm going to trip over my words. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to look like a fool. We have all these things that go through our mind, right? But how important is us for us to simply depend on the Lord? There's a lot of times where I've talked to someone about, about the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, how do I even start this conversation? Uh, where do I begin? Lord, and I just pray, and this happened to me just about a week ago. I was talking with someone, and I prayed as we were talking, Lord, open up a, a window or maybe a conversation starter somewhere in there that I can do that. And I've seen more often than not, God has done that. God has opened that little window. One thing I do is I have a, a business card. And some of you have received my business card. On the front has the picture of our church and our address and things like that, my name. But on the back, I have a Bible verse, John 14, verse 6. I look at that as a conversation starter with folks. Here, this is a verse that has meant a lot to me. And it's changed my life. 
And God has used that in different ways to stimulate conversation that. So this is very important. Here's another thing too, an importance of witnessing is that you will experience the tremendous privilege and honor of representing Jesus to the world. You know, when you witness to someone, you're really not representing yourself as much as you're representing Jesus Christ. That's who you're representing. You're his, represent you're his ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. You're basically, as an ambassador of Christ, you're telling people, hey, come to know the Lord, be at peace with God, be reconciled to him. No longer at war, you're now at peace. As someone who witnesses to share the truth of Jesus with others, you are that ambassador. You are that, that witness in that regard. So let's practically look at this today of how we should witness. We're in Acts chapter 4. Go back with me to Acts chapter 2 very quickly. Look at one verse. Acts 2.41. And where do we begin in our witnessing? After you get saved, I pray that God has changed your life. I said, man, this is great. I, uh, my, one of my, our friends in Tennessee, his name is George Semaduroff. He actually went to college with Woody way back in the day. But anyways, George said he, he, when he got saved, he was a teenager. Uh, he was saved at a Billy Graham crusade in California. And he said, when I got saved, I was like, wow, I need to tell someone. He was so excited about that. But I think in, in a practical way, as we grow in the Lord, here is a great way we can begin by witnessing, by sharing, telling people what we have experienced, what we have seen and heard about Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Right here, we have an explanation. This is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. We know that 3,000 were saved. Uh, here as it says, but they were glad to received his word, which means they accepted, they believed on Jesus, the message. And then they were baptized. And so the way that we, first of all, can grow in our witness is in baptism. I think we don't really think of it that way. You actually witness to others when you are baptized. Think about that. Because what is baptism? First of all, baptism is a command from Jesus for the local church to, be, uh, to evangelize, baptize, and stabilize. Think of the Great Commission. Also, we, in baptism, we identify with what Jesus did for you. When we go in the waters of baptism, going into the water represents the fact that Jesus died for us. In the water itself represents Jesus' burial. When we come up out of the water, it represents the resurrection, that Jesus is alive forevermore. And when we, are, when we are saved, we are raised to walk in newness of life. Baptism is, is important. It's an important step of witnessing to others. I'll never forget when we were on deputation, I was actually, um, we, it was actually in Cottage Grove, at Lighthouse Baptist in Cottage Grove. And uh, we were um, doing our presentation, and Lauren Buchney, with the pastor there, he uh, told me right before the service started, says, um, by the way, we're having a baptism service right at the end of the service. I said, okay, I will adjust our time for that. And he said, uh, but we are having the family who is getting baptized, they have Mormon relatives that are coming in, and so they're going to be here. And sure enough, there was about, I don't know, five, six Mormons that were there watching their family member get baptized. If you know anything about Mormon uh, theology, if you want to call it that, okay, uh, their idea of baptism is very different than our baptism. Put it that way, okay? And so as we as we, that happened, they were a witness. This, this family that had gotten saved and were following believers' baptism, they were displaying to all intents, especially to their their Mormon family, this is what Jesus for us, this is the true gospel. 
Talk about a witness. That means a lot right there. So anyways, your baptism is a witness. If you've never been baptized, hey, we got it right here. Let's do it. All right. And we rejoice with you on what God has done. Baptism is important. Jesus has commanded. And also, it's an awkward illustration of what Jesus did for you. He died in your place. He's buried and he rose again. Praise God for that chance to witness. So now you're baptized. We call it first step of obedience. Now what happens after that? We grow in our witness, in our walk with Jesus. You grow in your witness, in your walk with Jesus. Here we are in Acts chapter 4. Now we're in our text. And the background of the text here, in Acts chapter 3, we find here a lame man that was healed at the gate beautiful of the temple. And uh, remember, this is where Peter and John comes to him, says, he sees the lame man, he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. And there's a song we sing of Sunday school. He was walking and leaping and praising God. Uh, a life was changed. He was healed. But yes, he followed Jesus now. He followed the teachings of the, of the disciples that were here as well. And we see this very importantly, that uh, God used that for Peter to preach. You know, just a few days before this, uh, about 50 some days before this, Peter was denying Jesus. And now we find him proclaiming Jesus. Peter's preaching sermons in Acts 2, Acts 3, and Acts 4. He's, he's pretty busy uh, in this regard. And he's telling exactly who Jesus is and how that people need to be um, cleansed from their sins through Jesus Christ. And now in John, excuse me, in Acts chapter 4, we find here a turn of events. Things are going really good for the early church. A lot of people respond to the message in a positive way. But in Acts 4 comes a change. And what was that? Persecution. Persecution. It says here uh, in verse, uh, ch- go to verse 1 of chapter 4. And they spake unto the people and the priests and the certain of the temple and the Sadducees came unto them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid their hands on him and put them in the hold uh, to the next day. They were in custody, for now was eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So you go from 3,000 that were saved on Pentecost now to 5,000. The church is growing. But in the midst of that, here's some persecution. The, the Pharisees, the rulers, or me, let me say this, the, the Sadducees. By the way, the Sadducees, they were in control of the temple during the, the time of Jesus. In this area, the Sadducees, they did not believe actually in um, miracles per se. They did not believe in angels, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. What was the message of the gospel? That Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again, the resurrection. And they didn't believe that. Okay, so they're challenging them. They're challenging Peter on this. And so they asked him there. They were gathered together. In verse 7, it says here, And when they had asked them in the midst, they asked him, By what power, by what name have you done this? Peter, John, what's going on? Why have you done this? Whose name have you done it? What power? And then this is interesting. We grow. We talk about growing in our walk with the Lord as we witness. By walking with Jesus, we gain power and boldness. And look at this. Verse 8 says again, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done in the impotent man, by which means he is made whole, be it known unto you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom we crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, even by him, by Jesus, doth this man stand here before you whole. So as we see this here, the work and the witness of Peter during this time was done 
in the Holy Spirit. We've done the power of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to see the reaction of the people, of, of the Sadducees, of the temple rulers through this time. As, as this was going on, what power have you done this? It was done through the Holy Spirit. But also Peter is preaching in the name of the Holy Spirit as well. And so understand this, that our witness that we give is based on what? It wasn't what Peter did. It was really what Jesus did through him. It says our, our witness is really focused on the person of Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting when you think about Peter, he fumbled. He Remember back in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was cutting off the servant's ear, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's denying him. Uh, Peter was a lot, a lot of times put his foot in his mouth. But here we see Peter, a changed man. He was bold in his presentation of Jesus. The thing is this, how how was he able to say these words and to be so bold and to and to preach so powerfully? Well, Jesus actually addressed that uh, before he went to the cross. Jesus said this in the Olivet Discourse, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall, shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. In other words, let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. Again, when we witness to others, folks, it's not in our own strength. You're doing it as an ambassador. You know, the ambassador, when he goes, uh, Jack Lew is now the point of the new ambassador to Israel from the United States. What he shares is not necessarily his own opinion. He's sharing the message from the White House, from our government. Same thing for us. As we share the truth of Jesus Christ with others, it's not our truth to share. Is the truth of God to, that we share. So this is very important. The thing is this as well. Look at the reaction. Peter preaches that this message here is solely upon Jesus Christ. Uh, he says here in verse 12, Neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He was bold in sharing who Jesus Christ was, that he is the only way that we, mankind can be saved. Praise God for Jesus Christ. As we see this here, look at the reaction, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. One thing I'll say here, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Uh, I want to say this, that sometimes people try to be bold, but they become reckless as well. They become a bull in a china shop. <laughs> I, I've seen that happen many times, even on the mission field. People, they think, oh, uh, I can do whatever I want type of thing. And they're not bold. They're really reckless in how they do it. Boldness is one who is empowered by the spirit to do what God wants him to do. Okay, so this is the difference of that. But here's the thing. Look at the background of, of Peter and, and John in this passage here. And I think this will give hope to you as it gives hope to me. It says here, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. So the middle part there is that they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. It doesn't mean that they're, they were stupid. It's not, that's not the point. The idea is that this, the, the Sadducees and the religious leaders, those are the ones who went to the religious schools, for example. They were the ones of the higher education. They were the ones that they put it this way, the Ivy League of, uh, of Judaism, Okay. They were these. They were the learned men. They're the ones who had degrees, so to speak. Peter and John. What was their pedigree? They were fishermen from the Galilee. They were a little bit rough around the edges. Okay, that's who they were. 
But it's interesting seeing this, that we don't necessarily need a degree to share the truth of Jesus. Some people say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not even a song leader. I don't, I don't, I, this is not my responsibility. Well, the thing is the people that God uses often to share his truth with others are people who don't have a professional background in ministry. All right, so this is important. God can use each and every one of you. If you're here as a child of God today, God can use you to share his truth with others. I'll never forget, and uh, uh, as we think about this, uh, Carrie, you'll know this story. Back years ago, there was, uh, uh, my parents worked at a group home up in Pine River, Minnesota, and there was a guy by the name of Scott, okay? Scott, uh, this is back probably in the early 80s now, and and uh, Scott was a part of this group home. He had some uh, mental handicaps, physical handicaps as well, and but anyways, he heard the truth of Jesus, and I forget all that happened, but he understood who Jesus was, and he got saved. He was so he was so excited. He goes and he tells his sister Peggy, and he says, "Hey, sister Peggy, guess what happened to me? I got saved." And she goes, "Saved from what?" She didn't understand it. Later on, she ended up getting saved. Amazing, and to see that happen, God can use this man Scott, who had uh, mental issues, he had physical issues as well. God used him to share his truth. He didn't have to get a degree from a Bible college or a seminary, folks. God simply used him. God can use each and every one of you to simply share his truth with others. It's an interesting story. I heard the story actually from Ray Comfort. Uh, he mentioned it this way. There was a modernist or there's a liberal who has several degrees, several letters, who had spoke at a big gathering. And at that gathering, the topic was refuting the resurrection of Jesus, and he claimed it was a myth. It never happened. Well, after speaking for about two hours and quoting famous people and everything, he finally opened the floor to questions. An old man stood up with a Bible in one hand and an apple in the other. He took it by the apple, and then he said to the man, uh, Sir, you have spoken using the most eloquent words and arguments from many people concerning the resurrection of Jesus, saying it isn't true. Then he proceeded to eat his apple a little bit more, took a few more bites, and then he asked the speaker, said, sir, one question I have for you. Does this apple have a sweet or a sour taste? And the modernist told him, says, I cannot tell. I haven't tasted the apple. And the man says, well, neither have you tasted of my Jesus. And the room broke out into the thunderous applause as the story went. The thing is this, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Base things of the world to confound the mighty. So God can use each and every one of us, even the buy of an apple, said, you have not tasted my Jesus. The thing is, people can make arguments all they want, whether this, is, this isn't true, but they have not really experienced who Jesus is. The witness is one. You cannot challenge them on what they did or saw or did not see. That's, that's what they received. So this is important for us. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted them. I invite you today, if you've never tasted of Jesus Christ, come to know him personally as your Savior. Come to know him and you will find the sweetest experience, the sweetest knowledge of God you'll ever experience. Know him, love him, accept him. You see this, our witness is simply telling others what we have seen and heard about Jesus. Where do we get that from? Look with me, Acts 4, 
go down to verse uh, 29. What, what had happened before this is that the religious leaders basically told John, Peter and John said, just stop talking about Jesus. Okay, just don't do that anymore. But what do they say? Verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. There were witnesses. They were witnesses in that. So very important. Our witnesses in telling what we have seen and heard about Jesus. You know, one thing I will challenge you about this is that evangelism, which is sharing, simply sharing the good news, okay? Evangelism is sharing the good news of Jesus, is really, when you think about it, it's more of a conversation than a presentation. I don't know about you, but when I get a knock on the door from someone who's trying to sell me solar panels or whatever, they have this scripted presentation of everything. You know, do this, do that. They have, they've been trained in how to do that. But the thing is this, if someone gives you a presentation about Jesus and all that, you could tell it's fake or it comes across that way. I challenge you this, that have gospel conversations with people. Don't be intimidated by, man, I don't know all the verses. Well, know a few verses. Know one verse. Do something, okay? Let God's word speak to you, all right? Take time and have use uh, tracks, for example, as a starter. In our track record, we have many back there. Feel free. Those are for you to take and to give to others. There's one here that I love to use uh, as well. It passes out several times. God's bridge to eternal life. And he said, man, I can't pass out a track to anyone. I like what one uh, one brother uh, um, uh, who served with us in Israel, he said this. If you're scared about giving a track to someone, just do this. Just give it to them and then run away. <laughs> okay? Just do something. All right? So, and I, I challenge you to this. If you give a track to someone, I encourage you to read the track. You know why? Because someone give, you give it to someone and they say, what is this? I don't know. I haven't read it, but here you go. You know, at least read it. At least you know what you're giving to someone. Okay. But the thing is, is let them be, let the, these tracks and these opportunities simply be tools to open up gospel conversations that you can have someone to your home, for example, that you can invite someone to church, for example, uh, meet with them at a coffee shop, different things like that. And let God work that out in their lives. And so it's done by one by one. So the thing is this, when we talk about evangelism as a conversation, not a presentation, because we are not selling Jesus. You're not selling a product. We share that what we know about Jesus. That's a different, that's a witness. Okay. So my challenge for us today is what? That we would grow in our scope of evangelism as well. Acts 1.8 says that the Holy Ghost should come upon you after that you should be witnesses unto me in both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. The power to witness comes through the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Spirit is not a luxury, but it's a necessity. That's the way that we do world evangelism, is through the work of the Spirit. And also, the message of our witness is for all the world. It's that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And because of that, he gives us power from sin gives us a hope of heaven. We praise God for that message. And the thing is this, and I, I've seen this on some churches. Maybe we'll do that at some point here. I've seen this many times that put on the back door of the church. When you leave these doors, you are now entering the mission field. When you leave these doors, you're now entering the mission field. You look at this neighborhood around you. You look at your neighbors. Look at lost family members, co-workers, whatever it may be. Folks, they are not your enemy. They are your mission field. I want you to think about that. I invite you 
and said, well, where do I start? I asked you earlier, have you taken time to witness to someone at all this week, this month, this year even? Starting now, I invite you to think about this. Write down on a piece of paper, maybe on the church bulletin or something that you have right now, and I want you to write down one name, someone that you know, maybe someone that you deeply care about. Write down that one name. Could be a family member, could be a coworker, could be your neighbor, could be a, a child, could be a parent, a brother, sister. Write that person's name down and pray for that soul's salvation this week. And pray for the opportunity to witness to them. Pray for one person this week for their salvation. Here, why should we do that? Why should we pray for someone's salvation? And don't just leave it there. Pray that God will give you an opportunity to actually go and share the truth. Give them a track. Give them a Bible. Invite them to church. Do whatever. Okay, bring them over for dinner and talk about the Lord. Why is it important to pray for one person's salvation? Because I'm sure one person prayed for your salvation. Think of that. One person probably prayed for you to be saved. I know my parents prayed for me. I know my grandma prayed for me. Probably a lot of other people prayed for me. <laughs> but nonetheless, God works. And so I invite you to write down one name. You can do it right now. Write down one name. God, I'm praying for this person to be saved, that their life be changed forever. Pray for an opportunity this week even that the Lord would open up to do that. And guess what? Will God answer that prayer? He can, absolutely. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. That's his goal. So as a child of God, we will grow as we witness. I encourage you to make it a practice to tell other people about Jesus. Prayerfully seek opportunities to have gospel conversations, and God will do the rest. I'll close with one little story. I, mean, I think maybe I've told it before, but I was... Um, flying to Philadelphia for a conference just north of there uh, near Lancaster. And uh, I was getting back, actually leaving, getting back on the plane home. And uh, I had to drop off my rental car and take a shuttle to the Philadelphia airport. And so I was just praying, you know, as I was parking in the car, I says, Lord, and I specifically prayed this, Lord, bring someone Jewish uh, along my way that I can be a blessing, share God's love with. And guess what? I sat down in the shuttle and there was this couple from Los Angeles, a Jewish couple, <laughs> sat right across from me. We were able to do it. And I, for whatever reason, I fumbled. I couldn't find any tracks or anything on me. I had it, but I just couldn't dig it in time. But anyways, God brought those people. I should have been a little more prepared, I guess. But nonetheless, God brought the people at that right time in and I was able to share a little bit of my testimony with them. And that's a great place to start. It says, well, how do I begin to witness Share what Jesus did in your own life to them. Let me ask you this right now, and I invite you to do it this afternoon. Do it with your loved one, maybe one of their kids. Tell them, hey, this is how God changed my life. Tell them you're, how you got saved. Do that. Start with that. This, let me tell you how God changed my life. Something happened to me. You know, when I talk to my Jewish friends, I say, you know what? I tell them that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob changed my life. Really? He did it through the Messiah, Jesus, a Jewish Messiah. It's amazing conversations that can happen with that. We could probably give other stories like that, but be open, be prayerful, and grow as we witness. Grow as we know him. Grow as we read his word. Grow as we pray. Grow as we listen. Grow as we connect. Uh, grow as we worship and grow now as we share. And let these be first and firm steps for every believer.